You are listening to a Ruah episode of St. Benedict's Table podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Howison. My guest today is the musician and composer Chris Dingman, whose instrument of choice is the vibraphone. You'll hear more about that instrument in just a few minutes as our conversation gets underway. Chris Dingman is based in New York City, where this interview was conducted in early January 2020. He's worked with such legendary artists as Anthony Braxton, Herbie Hancock, and Wayne Shorter, as well as with an array of up-and-coming innovators, hailed by the New York Times as a dazzling soloist and a composer with a fondness for airtight logic and burnished lyricism. Chris also regularly plays at the Jazz Vespers services at St. Peter's Church in Manhattan. His work can be heard on his solo albums, Waking Dreams, and The Subliminal and the Sublime, as well as on a wide array of other projects on which he's played as a sideman. His current project is his most personal, titled The Peace Project. You'll hear more about that shortly. Chris Dingman, welcome to this podcast episode. It's good to uh, be here with you. We are sitting in the basement of St. Peter's Church in Manhattan, and from time to time we will hear the rumble of the subway trains going by underneath us, which is very New York. (laughs) We will all do our best to ignore those. Chris is a uh, musician and a composer. His principal instrument is the vibraphone. Now, I was here for Jazz Vespers this past Sunday night. Chris was playing, and afterwards a woman came over to tell him how much she appreciates his music and his playing, and then said, you know, I have never seen this instrument before. I was here at Christmas. It was my first look at it. What is it? And it occurs to me that there will be people listening to this podcast who will go, vibraphone? What is a vibraphone? Tell us, what is a vibraphone? (laughs) Well, most people know xylophone because it's X in the alphabet. Yep. So it's a, it's a relative of the xylophone. Instead of being a, a wooden instrument that's very tinkly and short-sounding, the vibraphone is very ethereal and it's, it's made of metal, with bars made of metal that you strike with a mallet. And once you hear the sound, usually you'll recognize that sound you know you've heard it someplace on the show notes we will uh, we'll link to your site where there's actually a great video from a documentary of you first of all kind of assembling uh, the keys and <laughs> yeah. then playing it but it, the, it, there is a, a an electric component to it what's that about <clears throat> yeah there's a, a motor that spins these flaps that are inside of the resonators that creates sort of a, a vibrato effect and when you turn the motor on it, it creates this oscillation in the sound that's um, kind of like the effect of a, a Leslie speaker cabinet, if anyone's familiar yeah. with that. <clears throat> and it, you describe in that video piece, you describe it as a, as a meeting of a, of a piano and a percussion instrument. So it's, the notes are lined up like a piano keyboard? Yes, yeah. They're set up just like a piano, but less notes than a piano. Only about three octaves. But for my eye, it looks about the same size as the piano keyboard. <laughs> it is the same keys. length because the bars are so much bigger than piano keys. Yeah. yeah. Now, you've played with some real heavy hitters. Um, according to your bio, Herbie Hancock, Wayne Shorter, 
Anthony Braxton among them. Yet Sundays, we'll often find you here at St. Peter's playing at the Jazz Liturgies. What, what draws you here? What draws me to St. Peter's? Well, first and foremost, Ike Sturm draws me to St. Peter's um, because he most of, he's the director of jazz here, and, and that's definitely how I came to get involved. But I've come to really appreciate the community and what people bring to the music here. It creates a shared space uh, and a lot of uh, dialogue around the arts and spirituality and um, it's a really open-minded place. Mm. I really appreciate that about St. Peter's. Mike and I talked the other day, and, and I said, in my experience, it's quite different from, from being simply in an audience when you're here. Like, somehow the church holds um, holds a congregational feel still. So if you're sitting in the pews, you, you sing. And even when you're just receiving a piece of music that's offered, there's a sense in which you still participate. So it's not it's not just an audience the way it might be in a club. Yeah. Which is that's kinda neat. Yeah, it's different and it's a nice wide open space, which is really nice for the vibraphone too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I've had some nice experiences playing in different configurations and also just solo, which has been really great. So what I'd really like to talk to you about is a highly personal project, peace, peace project which comes out of accompanying your father through his time in palliative care as he moved towards his own death. Can you tell me about that experience, how it came about and what that's come to mean? Just unpack the Peace Project. Sure, yeah. Well, it started out long before uh, my father's own health decline and right around the time I released my first album, I... Which was when? Which was in 2011. Okay. Waking Dreams. It was shared with with a family friend, friend's family. <laughs> and it was um, an older man who was dealing with some kind of dementia. And he listened to the music and his partner wrote to me. And knowing them, I knew that they wouldn't normally write to a musician about their music and something clearly spoke to them and something it apparently it, it made him really light up and they had this meaningful experience with it and that struck me really deeply I, it gave me a lot of ideas and things that I would want to do with music and I started looking into it and then other things happened and it was just on the at the back of my mind for like a long time and then when my father got sick he was actually in the hospital in the, in the ICU for a week and we were trying to play him music to help him soothe him and accompany him while he was going through a really hard time and um, we kept running out of music mm. um, and we kept searching and searching and we find things and then find like maybe one two pieces that feel appropriate and then it kind of veers off into something else so I was kind of kicking myself at that time, like, I wish I had recorded this music for people. I had this concept already in my mind, and I wish I had done it. And then it turned out that my father lived another two months, and during his time at home, he was sent home under hospice care, and during that time I 
spent a lot of time playing for him and recording that music while I played. And so that was the way that the project started. And um, I actually, even at the time, burned that music onto CDs really quickly and and shared it with him um, so that he could listen to it while I wasn't there also, which he did a lot. Um, he was struggling with sleep, had insomnia, which was one of the symptoms of his condition. He had cardiac amyloidosis. It's a really rare condition. So he he would listen to music all night. He would change the CDs and the CD player next to his bed. and. Hmm. Um, it was something to accompany him and help him feel more calm during a time that was really um, a lot of a lot of anxiety and a lot of I think in the medical profession they'd call it psycho spiritual difficulty. Mm. Yeah. Ang- anxiety, fear, mm. restlessness. Yeah. And the middle of the night probably feels like it just won't end. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, with your permission, we'll uh, we'll have an excerpt from that project. Yeah, absolutely. Let's play it now. So, from your website, thank you for that music, and from your website, I see that the Peace Project is a five-hour project of music. Is that right? It is, yeah. So, so that's not a CD I'm going to buy at the store. It, it will be a, a set of six CDs okay. that you could buy at the store, <laughs> or if there were CD stores, but you could buy it at an online store. <laughs> uh, but, it, yeah, that's the plan, to make it into a six-CD set, and... It also be available digitally, and yeah, it just amounted to that much music. Um, as my my mom was my dad's primary caretaker, and she would play in the music. And as she was dealing with so many things, like getting a medication and everything, I realized that having longer pieces would be really helpful. And so that it just sort of happened that it, I made longer pieces also. And I think it probably amounted to like eight hours of music, but so far five hours have been <laughs> used. Yeah. yeah. Is it all improvisational? It is, yeah. <clears throat> it's all improvised to the moment. Each piece is unique, has its own thing. There are some that have real clear themes. Some are more ambient, but they each have their own characteristic. And so we actually, I spent some time with my dad, um, naming the pieces he was involved naming the each oh, one yeah what did it mean to you to be able to offer that to your dad at that really hard hard time in his life 
at the time, I think I didn't see any other option. I just, it was like what I needed to do, I think, to help him. I knew there was something I could do to help him. It's like, that's, of course, you're going to do that, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I think it also helped me um, cope with, you know, there's a lot of emotions and oh. it's a hard time um, to go through for anyone. And it helped, helped all of us. It's, that's the amazing thing about music. It's, sometimes I would play and I wouldn't even be sure how if I could do it or how I would do it or what would come out. Or, and then something would just happen. Mm. And, um, yeah, it was really powerful experience for, for me. Oh, bad. Yeah. So this is a really big question. So often when people are struggling, going through the really hard patches of life, whether it's facing their own mortality or, or in grief over a loss or an impending loss or maybe the collapse of a relationship or confronting <coughs> some other hard reality. So often we turn to music sometimes to help make sense of what's going on because you know this particular song, these lyrics speak to the mood or the, the space we're in. Sometimes to instrumental music at a friend years ago who was diagnosed with ALS in his mid-30s mm-hmm. and uh, and it was hearing Nirvana's Smells Like Teen Spirit just raging that helped him first acknowledge how angry he was mm-hmm. and then another friend of ours uh, wrote a setting of Psalm 121, I, I looked to the hills and that allowed him to re-anchor himself but music all the way through the next two or three years of his life as he slowly died was the framework. That's the thing that kept him Mm -hmm. moving ever so slowly ultimately, but still moving. Mm -hmm. So what is it about music that, that can touch or speak particularly in those real rough times? And as a musician, what is it, what does it mean to be able to play music? that will do that potentially for people? Yeah, heavy questions here. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, and there's a lot to, I mean, that could be the subject of its own podcast. <laughs> but I, I think it's a really interesting question, and and there's a lot to that. For one, I'll just talk about in general first, and then maybe talk as a musician after that. So in general, I know there's a lot of studies that have been done on, like, how music affects the brain and you know what's going on in your brain when you hear music and and it's been found that every region of the brain is activated and there are a lot of studies still ongoing about music therapy and you know how it can help but i think the way the music engages you is so all-encompassing that it brings you into into a shared moment with whatever's being created in a way that if you're really tuned in takes you into that space completely and whatever is going on with you you can adjust what you said about your friend like he needed to hear nirvana and and, um, that helped him connect with with anger but it helped him connect with it in a like a productive way Mm -hmm. and so whatever's going on with you kind of gets met by the music and you meet the music, and something about that exchange is clears your energy. It kind of mm. brings you into a different zone. 
And when you can get into that, I think music can also meet you someplace and then take you somewhere else. And I think that's a lot of what I've, I've talked to music therapists about this, that they often try to do that, meet someone where they're at. If they're, if they're struggling hard, if they're really angry, they're not going to necessarily tune into something that's super peaceful right away. Right. So you have to meet them where they're at, something a little more active or gritty or something involved, but then it can go gently somewhere else and mm. it can carry you to a calmer place can carry you wherever you want to go I mean, there's a lot of music out there so you can kind of choose your choose your own adventure <laughs> but i guess with the um this particular project that kind of naturally happened a bit there's some of the pieces that they aren't just like super tranquil all the time mm -hmm. but they do carry you somewhere and it starts one place and it goes somewhere really different and over the course of that it's transformative and I think that's the that's something that's really powerful with music and uh, instrumental music in particular. And I'd even maybe say it with the vibraphone because it has a quality that's very sonically rich and um, can feel like it's kind of surrounding you um, with the, the vibrato and all the ringing tones. Um, and that can that can have a, a strong effect. Like, and you asked about what, as a musician. As a musician yeah. So as a musician, I've definitely noticed that times in my life that have been harder, I feel much more coming out when I'm playing. And um, it's almost like a, there's more to say. It's like that's what the music is for when those times are are happening it's a it's a way to get it out and share just get get those emotions to be expressed and one interesting thing that has happened a few times recently is uh sometimes I'll, I've felt very angry for various reasons gone and played and then really intensely played and someone heard it and said oh that was so beautiful <laughs> and, and I just kind of laughed at myself because how could they, they didn't they had no idea you know I was actually like expressing like really strong anger but somehow in music in musical form not saying this is true all the time for everyone but at least for me somehow this it transmutes or something happens where it when it comes out it, it changes into something beautiful and I, I, I've heard people talk about that especially in terms of improvised music jazz and in jazz setting especially but that you know you're playing difficult feelings pain i mean the blues where do they come from you yeah know? slavery extreme difficult times really the worst you know some of the worst settings of that of humankind and um it's it's something that carries us through those difficult times and gives us strength and we can all relate to that in some way, even if we haven't been through the hardest things. Um, we can all, I think it resonates in all of us. Yeah, so whatever gave that guy the blues back in 1920 might be different from what gave me the blues in 2020, mm -hmm. but I can still hear 
the emotion mm -hmm. and the cathartic release. Yeah. Just, yeah. yeah. With uh, the Peace Project, how do you imagine it being used in, in other settings and contexts? Yeah, a few ways. The most direct, obvious way would be yeah, people going through the same things my dad was going through. palliative care end-of-life issues I think a big common symptom of in the end of life for a lot of people is terminal restlessness terminal agitation that comes on as you approach the end and so the music could be something that would help that so that people don't have to use as much medication mm -hmm. um, and potentially that could enable people to be a little more alert and with it and interact with loved ones or just experience their life and similarly you know other symptoms of people at the end of their lives anxiety any unresolved things from their life there was something that happened with my dad when we were naming the pieces he named one of the pieces sky and I asked him why he said, well, it reminds me of a game I used to play as a kid, naming the clouds in the sky, naming what they looked like, you know, like this looks like a different creature or this looks like something else. And I realized later that he was processing his life through the music. Yeah, for that. sure. And so that's something that can happen with this. It gives you, like, a space to reflect, but it's also a comforting space. So there's that, but I think there are probably a lot of other uses and people have come up to me. I gave a talk at the Gold Foundation Conference on Humanism and, Me Humanism and Medicine. They did a summit last October and spoke to some people who are med students and doctors and so a lot of people came up with different ideas, each unique to kind of things they were working on. And one person brought up the idea of um, helping people deal with addiction. Yeah. Um, um, certainly anyone who's going through a really acute anxiety or um, really that kind of experience, something acute, that it's something to take you away from whatever that is for some time. And there was talk about trying to use it in other medical settings, um, so that's a possibility um, certainly in hospital ICUs, uh, medical procedures that are uncomfortable, yeah. um, which there are a number of. Sometimes music therapists, therapists can be present for those, which is great, but there are other times where it's not possible, so recording Recordings. could be good. Um, there's any number of those, um, cancer treatments, and uh, as well as surgery that where someone has to be somewhat conscious that kind of thing. Tell, tell me when it's actually available for purchase and use, not just in little samples. Definitely. Yeah. I'll, I'll definitely yeah, let you know. Keep me in the loop. Absolutely. Now you've got a bit of a tour coming up. Uh, what are you hoping to, uh, where are you hoping to go? And uh, are, is this solo? Just you and the vibraphone in the car? or? For the most part. Huh? <laughs> so the, the plan is to drive to California, from New York to California and back. That's a good long drive. <laughs> yeah. 
And uh, I'm from California originally. Okay. And so I have a lot of friends out there still and some great places to play. Still in the works for a lot of things, but there are some things in Wisconsin, several connections there, and um, a few things Chicago, also in the Northeast, and I'm still working on filling in the gaps there and talking with some friends in Denver and Salt Lake City and Seattle and Northern California. And my wife and I are both from L.A., so I think possibly my wife, partner, who has her own sound healing and multidisciplinary practice, um, she's probably going to join me for some of that western half of the tour and probably by then we'll be ready to drive back a little faster than we drove out Um, yeah because i have to get back by the fall and do some teaching here so well good luck with the planning and uh thank you if that arc takes you up as far north as winnipeg either this tour or another tour well uh, we'll see who we can connect you with and uh could be fun be great to come to Winnipeg yeah it's a good town yeah (laughs) Chris thanks so much thanks for having me Jamie down to the subway after our interview, I found myself feeling really grateful for the conversation I'd just shared with Chris. Grateful, too, in recalling that when I was privileged to do a book release event at St. Peter's in 2013 for my book on John Coltrane, God's Mind in That Music, Chris joined bassist Ike Sturm and pianist Louis Porter to offer some lovely and unique interpretations of some of Coltrane's music. That's just so good. This has been a Rua episode of the St. Benedict's Table podcast. If you want to comment on this show or find out more about Chris Dingman and his music, have a look at the show notes. That's where you'll find out how to write a review of what we're doing on Apple Podcasts. I'm Jamie Howison. Thanks for listening.